Welcome to the Personal Jukebox Podcast. My name is Simon, and guess who's back? Back again. Boyd is back. Tell a friend. Here he is. Back once again with the ill behaviour, with the ill behaviour, with the ill behaviour. <laughs> yes, it may be an ill behaviour now. We're uh, the second part of a two-night, two-part night. Oh, we're breaking up fourth wall. Oh, dearie me. Honestly, this is where I get to the uh, the stage where I'm thinking, oh shit, have I uh, have I saved stuff? <laughs> that should have been. We've had a little wobble, haven't we, between um, <laughs> between cracking cans and saving files? <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, we were just having a little bit of a football convo then, uh, and one thing that I think about this Premier League season—you're not allowed to call it the Premiership no more, are you? Oh, good God! The no. Premier League season. If you're going to give it its slave name, give it its right slave <laughs> yes. name. Um, I don't think I would have ever been happier to see a team relegated than Newcastle this season. Yeah, do you not? Do you, are you not feeling that? No, I feel it. I feel it, especially as uh, someone in my management chains, a Newcastle fan. <laughs> um, I, I've never been the biggest Newcastle fan anyway. I think that there's a certain sense of entitlement and, and demanding of something that I've never really attained. And obviously you've got the you know, the new owners and their, uh, what shall we say, what's, what's the word that I'm searching for? Amanda Stavely scares me. She's like um, like a football Tom Cruise. You I don't know what's going on. I, I wouldn't want to cross her. Throat. Yeah, don't cross the boss. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. And it, it's weird, isn't it? She's been put up as the, like, um, the person who's doing the stuff. I wouldn't and, mind to see Watford go. Watford. You They're just Watford so trigger happy. I mean, when we were socially distancing over the past 18 months or so, mm. you were still never less than six feet from a former Watford manager, were you? Oh, no, not at all. I bloody love it, don't they? <laughs> Do you reckon he'll see the season out? No chance. He's <laughs> right, isn't it? No chance. They're, they're, just, they're just a draw at home with Norwich away from him getting the chop. Yeah, did they? Um, Have they played didn't Norwich they just, No, they just lost at Norwich. Um, as we speak now, this will be way in the future, obviously, but didn't they lose like two or three at home to Norwich, like Friday? He, he's gone on Monday. Mm. Mm. Who is who is Watford manager these days? Is it, oh, is it it's Tinkerman? Yeah, it's Claudio. It's Tinkerman. Yeah. He's gone yeah. on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> he's gone by the time this this comes out. He just turns up, has a little bit of payoff, and he's off again. Yeah. He? he knows he's, uh, he knows what he's doing. Definitely. Yeah. He's got it down to a fine art. <laughs> The last time we were with them, we were doing Alice in Chains Dirt. We were? Yeah, an album we both liked. Um, this time, we're doing an album, well, a big, big album, big British album, massive British album, Urban Hymns by The Verve. I don't think you can understate to anyone who wasn't there at the time just how massive this was, considering they were a relatively short-lived band. Um, they were splitting and reforming right, left, and centre, weren't it they? It was like Watford. Yeah, like Watford. Oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 perfect, perfect <laughs> analogy. Um, but they seemed to come from nowhere with this album. They'd been about, but not in any kind of mainstream consciousness. Then, certainly to my mind, anyway, you might have a different recollection. But they exploded onto the scene with this album, and then did a. Really, a fat lot of nothing in follow-up. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably get into this a bit through, but to me, they came. You know, you had a lot of people join, like jump aboard the jump aboard the Oasis Express with yep. what's the story, Morning Glory. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then I always considered the Verve to be a bit of a, 
salesman driving his BMW or Audi's version of Oasis. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, yeah. Um, kind of a bridge, them and Embrace creating the bridge between Oasis and Coldplay to a certain oh, extent. Embrace. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's kind of damning with faint praise, isn't it? Um, one thing, you mentioned two albums on the Alice podcast. Yeah. You mentioned Abba Gold and mm. Tubular Bells by Mike Oldfield. And just, I'd kind of thought to illustrate kind of how big Urban Hymns was at the time and mm. how many people I, I knew who were into other genres or not really into music. Literally everyone I know within about a two-month period bought this album and anyone's house you went to had a copy of it on the shelf somewhere. It, it really was a comparator to like, in like one period of time, Every boring household had Abba Gold, mm. probably in the 70s and early 80s. All your parents had tubular bells. Um, you ever seen the film uh, Searching for Sugar Man? No, I've never heard of the film oh, Searching for Sugar Man. amazing. Yeah. Amazing documentary, Searching for Sugar Man. No. Um, it's about a, a little-known um, sort of Latino uh, artist in America um, who recorded a folk album in the 60s okay. and it absolutely exploded in South Africa, but it was apartheid era South Africa, okay. so they were very secular. Yeah. And he was basically working on construction sites and running for like local like city government yeah. and he had no idea what a massive star he was in South Africa. Okay. And it's basically about a South African DJ mm. who decides to find... Because they all think he's died. There's a mm. myth around mm. it mm. and they go to... To find out what his journey, I should say, it's a bit of turn of phrase. Yeah. To find out what happened to Rodriguez, Sixto Rodriguez is this guy's name. So how did Rodriguez die? And he goes on a research journey, and he ends up speaking to someone, and then he asks him, "How did Rodriguez die?" He's like, what are you talking about? How did Rodriguez die? He's, he's living in downtown Chicago. He's not labouring for someone. Um, and it ends up him coming over and doing a tour in South Africa. But at one point in the film, Never this, heard of it, no. yeah, this DJ says. Every household at one point in South Africa, you go through the records and you find like Sergeant Pepper, yeah, something like that. But everybody's got Cold Fact by Rodriguez, but everywhere okay. else in the world <laughs> has never heard of this guy. It's a brilliant documentary if you ever get yeah. the chance to see it. And it, and it, it, it's based on a book. I haven't read the book. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The book came first. But Urban Hymns was was like that around 97, 98. Mm-hmm. You couldn't walk into someone's house I mean, you predominantly went into houses where you had people of your own age group or like their older siblings or younger siblings. But somewhere in that house, there was a copy of Urban Hymns. It was it was huge. It it, it was huge. They, as you say, they did kind of just come from nowhere with a, a definite one-two punch of the first singles released off yep. this album. It was the second highest selling album of 1997 yep. in the UK. Yeah, find um, that very easy to believe. Behind... Okay, computer. Be, no, be here now. Oh. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, crediting the public with uh, <laughs> with a refined palette. It is the 19th best-selling album of all time in the UK. Yeah. Which, you know, in the top 20 of the top-selling albums, it's probably maybe the most successful album that I've talked about on this podcast. I'm probably forgetting something here, but yeah. Uh, it was a number one album. 12 weeks at number one. Which in itself, you know, in uh, it just captures what the yeah. the mood was. The first single was absolutely ubiquitous, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And the wall will have plenty of discussion on that, definitely. 
just giving it, I don't usually do this a bit later on, but around the world, um, it charted in so many countries. Um, Australia got number nine, Canada 15, Belgium 11, Denmark 12, Finland 4, France 9, Germany 11, Italy 2, New Zealand number one, because literally everything goes to number one in New Zealand. <laughs> if we've learned one thing from this podcast, every single album is number one in New Zealand at some point. Um, Norway 4, Portugal 4, Sweden number one, obviously the UK number one. I only ever got to 26 in the US. And I don't think they actually became noticed until Nike picked up Bittersweet Symphony and were using it for an advert a couple of years later, or a little bit later. Uh, and then people were like, oh, the Verve. And they probably split up at that point. Like, um, yeah, as they were wont to do. Um, very successful, as you say. Loads of people had it. Did you own a copy of this album? I did. I did not. That's bizarre. You, you'd think that, yeah? Yeah, you'd think that'd be in reverse, wouldn't you? You'd think yeah. I'd have blown a raspberry at this and, yeah. and you'd have been all over it. I can definitely remember listening to this in somebody's car at some point, like around the time when it came out, uh, maybe you know a couple of months after, and I have not listened to the whole of this album again until a month ago. I, pro- I own this album yeah. and haven't listened to it in Easily twenty years, uh, possibly yeah. more. Yeah, and there were tracks on this when we decided to do it and revisited it that I, it was like hearing for the first time. As I have no memory of this whatsoever. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. I had no. Yeah, I probably got swept along in that wave and just kind of bought it on the back of the hype. Really, I'm really surprised because I didn't think this would be your bag in any way, shape, or form. You know, your damning version of cast. Yes. Yeah. I thought that you would um, akin the verve to cast. I certainly didn't at the time. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Well, Um, yeah. yeah. But I do recall, I mean, this is kind of how ubiquitous it was, but also how short-lived it was. I remember going to an exchange uh, place in Dudley when... um, CD exchanges were a thing. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd, you'd cash them in yeah. and get some store credit kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And took a few and he was cashing them up, putting the value on. <laughs> and he came to Urban Hymns and it can't have been, it must have been 98, 99 at the absolute latest. Okay, so yeah. not long yeah. after purchasing the scheme of things. Yeah. And he got to uh, got to Urban Hymns in my life, in my pile. And he was yeah. like, not interested in that and flicked past. So wasn't going to give me anything. I was like, what? And he was like, Go and look over those shelves, and there must have been fifteen copies of that album. <laughs> yeah, that makes He's sense. Like, I'm not doing with another one. That makes sense. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> so maybe indicates that they were kind of riding the crest of that brick pop wave. How they came from nowhere, and then mm. did their previous albums precede the peak. You would definitely like lump them in the brick pop. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, you would. Yeah. Well, uh, Richard Ashcroft and uh, Noel were big mates, weren't they? Yes, I think not so much now. I think he's had a kind of a falling out with Noel and he's more pally with Liam. Okay. Yeah, but um, but yeah. Um, Was Cast No Shadow written about Richard Ashcroft? Apparently so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, which is really weird. Um, we'll get into a bit of a uh, intertwine in between those bands mm-hmm. as we go through, but yeah. We'll, we'll talk about Ashcroft as well because he's a very... <laughs> I don't know, what's the word What's a word to describe Ashcroft? I don't really know much about him. Do you not? It seems from the quick bit of reading up I did when I was trying to nail down a track list for this, mm. um, 
the Verve, I think it's him and is it Nick McCabe? Yeah. They've got a tumultuous history, haven't they? They don't really yeah, seem yeah. to get on. No, 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 not for very long periods of time. Yeah. But I definitely think Ashcroft would eat himself if he could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> so anyway, um, the Verve formed in Wigan. Um, their first gig was in 1990. They played somebody's, I think it was somebody's birthday party or somebody's wedding was their first gig. They were called Verve, just called Verve at the time, Verve, weren't they? yeah. Didn't they have some conflict from, was it Verve Records? Or okay. It was a label that was yeah. saying, oh, no, we've already got that name in music. Okay. Yeah. I'd had it pegged as maybe just an offspring to the offspring kind of thing. Mm. Mm. Maybe one of them saw the other do it and thought, hey, there's an idea. Uh, they signed to Hut Records. Um, was, did they put this album out? I can't remember. I'd never noted that down. Um, they signed to Hook Records and they split. Oh, when was it? Um, they put out two albums. Was it Northern Soul? Northern Soul, which had history on it. History, which is probably the standout track on that album. Um, and there was another album as well, wasn't there? There was one that preceded that, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, was it just The Verve? I think it might have been The Verve. Uh, and then they split. Internal conflict, as always seems to be the uh, the label that's put onto it. And then Ashcroft was going on his merry way and he was going to put out this solo album. But all this album was apparently meant to be an Ashcroft solo album. And then he hooked up with, I think it was like, was it McCabe or one of them? And then they basically just all ended up getting back together. I think was it he got no, no, together no. with the rest of them and then McCabe came, from board, McCabe, that's came on board at like the 11th hour and yeah. added some Simon parts. Tong, Simon Tong. It's the only Verve album with keyboarder, stroke guitarist Simon Tong um, who replaced McCabe. But he rejoined, rejoined soon after. So you've got, sorry, you've got Richard Ashcroft on uh, vocals, rhythm guitar and keyboard. You've got Nick McCabe on lead guitar. Simon Tong, he was doing second lead and he did a bit of keyboard. Simon Jones on the bass. Peter Salisbury on drums. And apparently you've got Liam Gallagher backing vocals on the track Come On. And fantastically, hand claps on the track Space and Time. Brilliant. <laughs> Which I was just, man, that is just typical Liam. Just to like, yeah, that's my hands clapping them bits. Get some royalties for, for an afternoon on the pop. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. And did you know Ash- Richard Ashcroft was born uh, September the 11th as well? Okay. Fact, 1971. Okay. So uh, put him on the board, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> put him on the board, he might have something to do with that. Yeah, I know one other person who was born on September the 11th. Mm. Yeah, someone I haven't seen for a number of years. Okay. Hope she's doing okay. Yeah. Jess Guy, if you're out there, shout. Shout out. You never forget someone born on that date. Uh, this was the Verve's third album. It was released on the 29th of September, 1997. Now, 1997 is... Is that Slap Bang in the Middle of Our Shine albums, or is that a bit later It's on? a couple of years on, yeah, isn't it? We're talking 95, yeah. aren't we? Yes, that's right, yeah. So, 1997, September... Um, yeah, it replaced Be Here Now at the top of the album charts. And spent, spent longer at number one as well despite being the uh, inferior album. (laughs) Um, And then The Verve went on to release a couple of, well, a few singles off this, Tour It, Loads, I imagine, incessantly, and made a lot of stuff, and then split up again. 
yeah, yeah. that seems to be that seems to be just, rinse repeat just, yeah lather rinse repeat absolutely <laughs> um ashcroft did go on to it, it was definitely the end of the 90s he was releasing solo stuff so yeah and then they got back together again didn't they yeah 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 um so they've got one album after this haven't they as a collective fourth yep yeah the the inspired title yeah. fourth for your fourth album well done lads yeah i know yeah, so what we do before we get into the album, we always hit on what was number one at the time, what was the zeitgeist at the time. In the UK, the number one single was a double A-side. The highest selling single ever in the UK. There was a time Everything, all in one. And of course, that was the, the first part of the A-side, but everybody knows it for this. Goodbye, England's rose. May you ever grow in our hearts. You were the grace that placed itself where lives were torn apart. I can see you gagging. <laughs> do you remember where you were when you found out? Um, yeah. Yeah, I do. There's, there's actually a story behind it. I'd gone out somewhere and um, I was in my car. Yeah. Uh, and I fell asleep in my car and woke up with a crack of thunder. Yeah. Um, and woke up kind of thing. And then the, the radio was playing and it was like, oh, um, Da, 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 Princess Diana yeah. has died in Paris and all this kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Rather poignant. <laughs> Where Very we poignant. Yeah, I was watching Goals on Sunday. <laughs> and there was a crawler on the bottom of the screen. And it took, because it was, it was that surreal, it took a minute to register. It like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, Princess Diana. Mm. I know who mm. that is. You know, it's like, it's, it's one of those, yeah. you know, there's yeah. such a disconnect because it do, yeah. that doesn't seem really so. No. Yeah, I mean it was. A and then you switch to switch to Sky News, and it was fucking rolling. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, ninety-seven. I'm, I may be getting this completely wrong. It was August, wasn't it? Yeah. Because I remember it was a Sunday. Because I remember I've one goals on Sunday, but I was watching it for the goals at our game. The no, game, September. The day it's got to be September, hasn't it? Sure, it was August. We turned South End over the day before. Well, maybe then, yeah, yeah, because this was number one after, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. I don't know what the timeline is there, but was that maybe was that the? Oh, I may be getting this completely like off kilter, but is that like the birth of the fucking rolling news? Like, oh, you know what I mean? New facts being added and stuff like that. Maybe. There's nothing I don't would, know. I, I, I in the kind of context of when twenty-four hour news channels kind of came to be there'd be nothing as as big and all-encompassing as that event at no the, not yeah. at all um uh, of course that was candle in the wind elton's reworking uh double eye side with um what was the what, what was the song that i said before something about the way you look tonight you managed to put that one in there as well okay that uh, gets that gets lost in the dense mists it does it? that that was yeah. like the the actual in reality terms, that was the A side as okay. well, but 
Yeah, it was... No, Not it the was, one no, everybody no, no, voted no, no. for. Uh, the number one album in the UK when, when this Verve album was released was as well. Elton John, it was the album that that song was off. Okay. Yeah. So, man, he had a turnaround on that. It's almost as if he had the inside scoop. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was a hell of a turnaround. But the, uh, the number two album, because we'll go for something off that instead... Oh, yes. I thought you might like this. Oh, get in. This album, the self-titled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I haven't. I, I, I reckon I have heard it, but ninety-seven month. That's probably the peak of my music buying and listening ever. I would say, yeah. um, and I definitely would have heard this, and definitely the singles off this album. You know yeah. what I mean? I can remember hearing this on Radio One. But it probably slipped under a bit for me. I was just way too into being out at the time, you know what yeah, I mean? I'll catch yeah. up because um, obviously it's the debut dummy. It's Portishead. Mm. Um, it's it, it's dummy that gets all the plaudits, but mm-hmm. they've only ever done three out studio albums, Album, and they're a going concern allegedly. Still, yeah. they just do what they want when they is want, right? which yeah. is nothing. Okay. They've never officially split. No. Um, but when you talk about those three albums as spaced out as they are, unwavering quality. When was the last one? Oh, we've got to be talking 12, 13 years ago. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a fair bit ago, It's isn't been it? a long time. They make Tool look pr- prolific. <laughs> of course, we always hit the US as well. I think it was when Mariah was enlisting a bit of um, P. Diddy to get a bit of a, a flavour. Yeah, yeah, just just trauma come flooding back there because I went to the pub with um, with a friend who'd been probably to Woolworths or somewhere and bought the single of this <laughs> oh, really? en route. Yeah, and he left Funny. it on our table and went to the bar and. The guy on the table next to us got talking. He's, oh, what you got there, mate? And kind of had a look. And I'm like, it's not fucking mine. <laughs> oh, dearie, mate. Uh, heading back to the UK album charts. Obviously, we had El- Elf, not Elvis, Elton at number one. Porter said number two. Um, no, sorry, I've got that completely wrong. I've literally got that completely wrong. The number one album in the UK this week was the Verbs Urban Hymns. Yeah. On the week of release? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. yeah. Sorry, I've got that completely wrong. Porter said was number two. Yeah. Elton was number three. Um, Oasis Beer Now was number four. Ocean Colour Seeing were five. Rolling Stones. Finley Quay. Finley Quay? Yeah, Finley Quay. Christopher, Texas and Bob Dylan round out the top ten. That's a... That's a 
fairly grim top tip. <laughs> Were you uh, ever an ocean coliseum guy? No, no, no. The wife's seen him numerous times. No. There's a definite connection between them and the Verve as well. I get that kind of, you know, the kind of mod. Um, what is it? Northern Soul? Is it that kind of thing? What is Northern Soul? Well, Northern Soul was sort of like American, not Motown, because Motown was Motown. the commercial leg of that movement, but mm. um, sort of American soul music, and it was um, kind of... The more rare, the better, really, wasn't it? it oh, was, was that what it was? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was proper, like, um, not for the pop pickers. It was like, search out, find your undiscovered gem kind of thing. Yeah, 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 ab- yeah. absolutely. They're all about the blank light. La- the DJs would play with blank labels, so all the DJs couldn't pick up kind oh, really? of what they had. Yeah. Ah, okay. I know a few real Northern Soul aficionados. Yeah. It's, it's something that I like what I know, but I wouldn't even pretend that I'm going to hold my own in a conversation with a real fan. (laughs) I followed a car today and he had a window sticker. Oh, yeah. And it said, Northern Soul, a A way way of life. life. Yeah, Yeah. that was it. (laughs) Yeah, that was it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, You see a few of them, I bet. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, very, very, uh, very popular. Still now, still now. Yeah, absolutely. Older clientele, definitely. Yeah, you get Northern Soul nights all over the place and they're they're well attended. See, maybe this is why I got this kind of thing from it in the north as well, yeah. in the north of England. Yeah. I've noticed driving around that you see outside a pub, oh, yeah. Northern Soul Night. Oh, yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Cool, man. If that's your bag, crack on. Yep. Um, what do you think of the whole, with the whole mod thing? Do you get that mod vibe from. It's kind of. Because th- Ocean Colour Scene were definitely. Yeah. It's back. kind of reflected in the look. I mean, Ashcroft, the visage, yes. Has that man ever smiled? No, no, he's he's got that kind. Tom of, York smiles more than Richard Ashcroft. Yeah. He's got that sub jagger kind of grimace, hasn't he? I don't know. How has he ever expressed any emotion whatsoever, yeah. apart from forlornness? Is that, is that just like it? Yeah. Oh, in terms in terms of a look, yeah. As we dig into this album, no, I don't see the parallels. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's, I think it is like the look, isn't it? But yeah. um, okay, um, we they said... project that image, and there's there's a bit of a disconnect, I'd say, between the image and the music. <sighs> yeah, for for want of not wanting to get into it now, there's a lot of just <laughs> acoustic campfirey kind of songs. I think on this, yeah, yeah. I one thing that I've noted sort of more emphatically as we go through this album is I really struggle to understand how it gained as much traction as it did with the crowd that it did very 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 much so I think they'd been primed from Oasis obviously definitely they've they've led them they've been primed I think the primrose path haven't they in the last episode, we covered uh, the Alice in Chains thing. Yep. And whereas Facelift is very raw, I think Dirt has got a more uh, a more grown-up sound, yep. maybe, to it. Yeah. And I think, definitely maybe, to what Story Morning Glory, even though there's probably less production, but it's got that kind of a more... Using Oasis and saying it's a more grown-up sound, but do you know what I mean? It's more a fully more, formed. Yes, more fully formed. And I just think that's them Lego building blocks yeah. onto the Verve kind of thing. Okay. But hey, we'll, we'll get into it as we go along. 
Uh, the album starts with a song that every man and his motherfucking dog have heard before. My dog definitely has heard it because I was playing it earlier today before you came round. <laughs> and she looked at me with the same face she looks at me with every song because she's a dog and she doesn't get it. <laughs> Hold on, is there an England game going on? I want to talk over it, but I know it's coming in a minute. I'll be completely honest with you. The frame of mind I'm in there, I want to pick holes in that. Yeah. Well, but, you've come to the right party in that place. Well, I see. I'm thinking right now, though, it's iconic. It is. Now, it here's a is question. iconic. Go on. You have probably listened to Radio X a bit. I know them by nothing more than reputation. I'll be honest, I do give Radio X a bit of a miss, but yeah. So. Yeah. So. Are my impressions right or way off that they would hold this up as some kind of pinnacle of music? Oh, it would literally be like a top five. If they did the Radio X countdown, yeah. Miles E and fucking, what's his name? Idiot who used to be on Big, Big Breakfast. What's his name? Fucking Johnny oh. Yawn. Oh, okay. John, Is he on Yawn? there with Miles? Yeah. And isn't Vernon Gay on there as well? Oh, and no. they'd all be saying, oh man, fucking hell's oh. best, yeah, best top five song. See, I'm instantly hooked. Uh, not instantly hooked. I'm not instantly wow. hooked at all. I'm instantly conflicted. Where did hook come from? Yeah, that's where it came from. Yeah. Because, well, let's go with the criticism before we go with the positive. Okay. This isn't a well-formed song. It's not an example of good songwriting. Fundamentally, this is a hook on a loop. I think this song gained its traction based on two, li- two gimmicks. Mm. Those gimmicks are... Um, the sample, the stone string sample. We'll get into that in a minute. It repeats yeah. on a loop. And the video was iconic at the time. That, and I think yeah. it's like a wrestler who's got a banging intro theme, mm. a catchphrase that the crowd can crow along with, mm. and an over-finishing move. And no one notices that the only other things they do is punch and kick. <laughs> I thought you were going to give a name to it as well then. I thought you were actually going to give a wrestler's name and say, this is the wrestling equivalent of... Go on. <laughs> no, no, no. Call it. No, I don't. You call it. No, I don't. I'll, I'll think that. Yeah. I'll think that as we go going yeah. through. Now, here's a question because I had a question about this track. Yes. With the sample. 
that is the main part of it. Mm-hmm. And I looked into this on YouTube, and mm-hmm. the only things I can find are festival footage that focuses pretty much solely on Ashcroft. How do they do this live? Oh, um, I don't know. That's something I haven't looked. That's, that's something I haven't looked at, actually. And you would think that this is... Looking on their most played songs and all kind of things, this is kind of the song they play last but one. It's got to be? Yeah. This is the last but one song. Um, yeah, I don't know. I would say the PA is just basically playing out the, uh, yeah. the strings. Yeah. Unless sometimes they've big gigs, maybe. They pay and have um, an orchestra. They get an orchestra yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just can't escape the feeling I think that they kind of tricked a nation into thinking this is a good song. I get it's iconic and you're right. Yes. And it, it is. sounds... It is, it is, it is, yeah. When you just say, when you strip it down to the bare essentials and you say, does it sound good? Yeah, it does. It sounds great. It's it produced sounds, lovely. It sounds massive. Yeah. And there's a couple of profound lyrics in there yeah. that I can fully appreciate why they resonate with a lot of people. So if Everyman people, lyrics yeah, kind of thing. If people yeah. put stock into this song and say it speaks to me, I get it. Mm. But by the same token, in what constitutes a good song, a good piece of songwriting, verse, chorus, verse, um, something profound, a bit of good instrumentation, all any such elements you could throw at a good song, how many of those does it really contain? I'd say not a fat lot. Are you saying that, uh, for want of a different phrase, that it's the profound song for the basic bitch? I could have sat here for another two days and never come up with those exact words, but, you know, I get it, but... Yeah, it's yeah. not the anthem that Radio X would probably have you believe. Well, right, this is my spin on that. Yeah, um, I agree completely in what you're saying. I think it has got the iconic video. I think Ashcroft oozed cool. Totally, totally. Yeah. Yes, he oozed cool, he especially on this video. He did. Uh, especially, and you got to give credit it made to him, the. Didn't it? You got to give credit to the cast, the supporting cast yeah. of the video. Oh as yes, well, like definitely. the girl screaming in the his girl face, screaming and... his face, all that kind of thing. The two guys laughing at him, the builders. Yeah, as exactly. Past yeah, them. all yeah. that kind of thing. Uh, nearly ninety percent of the people out there wouldn't have even got the stones tie-in. Yeah, no, no, no. I certainly wouldn't no, have before reading it. Tie-in. No, I didn't definitely the tie-in. not. Because uh, I wasn't aware. We'll go into that in a second. But I do think that it, it is quintessentially British. Absolutely. And I think sometimes, and this is where Radio X would come in, being a British radio station and probably heralding and pushing that kind of British stroke. Yep. That's where this song gets its thing. Here's a question for you where I might catch you kind of, we, we, we might come into a little bit of conflict. Yeah. But I do um, I do agree that it's super, super overrated. Absolutely, yeah. 100%. 100%. Mm-hmm. Of the singles that came off this album, it's the weakest. Um, Asterix 1, maybe, just due to connotations. Uh, it's probably, yes, 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 for you or me looking at yep. them and saying, what is the weakest one? Yeah. But it's got that hook. It has. And that brings the... Well, actually, all the um, the singles have that hook that bring the mainstream. But yeah, I know what you mean. But talk about the video being iconic. And here's yeah. a song you've talked about previously with Neil. And here's where I do stand, um, contrary to your take on a song. Mm-hmm. How much does it owe, the video owe, 
to the video to uh, Unfinished Sympathy by Massive Attack. Weren't they released the same year? Were they? Yes. Yeah. And it's the same director as well. Okay. So uh, the only difference I can see is he's walking right to left and she's walking left to yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Um, Unfinished Sympathy is a tune. So I think that's fantastically overrated as well. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it, it's up there. And see, so you could tie them in. I think this heralded um, a kind of a hip hop, not a hip hop vibe, but definitely a hip hop trope of just a repeating yeah. thing going through a song. Yeah, uh, they have that in common. And I don't think there's a lot of Brit pop bands really that did that. Yeah, because it was all about you know, like um, not thrashy guitars, but like jangly so guitars authentic, or whatever. Authentic musicianship, yeah. as certain swathes yeah. would. Yeah, there was. I, I mean, I think you definitely had stuff from the um, like Stone Roses. Maybe they're dancier numbers like Falls Gold or stuff, which yeah. would have a repeating thing. Yeah. But I think that was in an effort to make them more of a dance. Yeah, dance favourite kind of thing, but. I, at the time, definitely marked the verve down for it just being, oh, that's just the same thing over and over again till the end of the song. Definitely. It's yeah. it's a good gimmick, but yeah. it is just a gimmick. Yeah. Uh, saying that, <laughs> saying that, uh, you'd struggle to find a chart out there from Joe Public yeah. who are not going to have this in their top 10 of 90 songs. Of course they are. Yeah, you know all, what I mean? all day, every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they would be wrong. <laughs> oh, I could definitely find 10 better songs in yeah. the 90s, yeah, than this. And even if they would say, and yeah, it'd definitely make their top 10 British songs as well, and they'd probably be wrong there as well. Yeah. Well, they would be, actually, 100%. But we'll go into the, into the Rolling Stones tie-in. The bit I found was they somewhat better needed permission from the publisher of the last tie-in, something I didn't realise until after the album was completed. So with Urban Hymns ready to go, um, Bittersweet Symphony was slated as the first single. Uh, the verse manager, Jazz Summer, tried to secure the rights, which belong to Alan Klein's company, ABKCO. Because it's not actually a Rolling Stones sample, is it? It's a it's an orchestral, orchestral interpretation of, of one of Rolling Stones tune, yeah. Uh, the Stones signed um, a very lopsided contract with Alan Cloyan, who was their manager early in the careers, and they had to make like massive concessions in order to get out of it. Part of the deal gave Cloyan the publishing rights to all of the Stones' songs they recorded through 1969. And in the book, there's a book, Alan Cloyan, the man who bailed out the Beatles, made the Stones and transformed rock and roll. So, so titled. Very, um, you know, <laughs> bigging himself up there. Uh, it states that uh, he offered, Summers offered Klein 15% of the publishing to obtain the rights, but Klein turned him down flat, and when he realised that The Verve was sitting on a hit record they couldn't release without a deal, he insisted on 100% of the publisher, because he's literally in the bargaining position, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, and yeah. that's a real arsehole of a move, isn't it? Even if he would have given them like bloody 10-20%. Uh, the Verve gave in since I really had no choice, and Richard, Af- Richard Ashcroft, who wrote the lyric, was given a flat fee of $1,000 and had to sign away his rights. Uh, Ashcroft, in typical Ashcroft style. I was put under duress to sign away one of the greatest songs of all time, he said. Mm. Boys. <laughs> yeah, he's given himself uh, a bit too... Well, he's given his own track a bit too many props. There's probably a big discussion to be had around that that would probably take around an hour. He should say if they hadn't signed away the rights, they couldn't have released it and did, 
this well, yeah, album. If they, wouldn't, if they if they would have released it without yeah. that agreement, then yeah. yeah. Did this album and subsequent singles would they have gained the traction which translated into the sales that they did without this track as the forerunner? So I suppose what I'm saying is did they make the bread on the back end? Um, did they have to speculate to oh, accumulate there? Al- Album-wise, yes, 100%. The single was released in June, in June of 97. So this was still in the time where people, bands and artists were putting out a couple of singles before yeah. your album came yeah. along, uh, which is the right way to do it, isn't it, really? Build the anticipation, drop the album, yeah? We're, f- we're from that era, aren't yeah. we? It's a- anything other than that seems... Yeah seems not right i think it's i suppose the thing is everything's flipped on its head since that time it's when a band would um announce well a band would release an album then they'd tour in support of that album but i suppose now with the advent of streaming and where the bulk mm. of the money's made it's when a band releases an album you kind of think okay they've got a tour coming up then yeah, because that's where they're making the coin. What, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, the song we're talking about, obviously, is "The Last Time" by the Rolling Stones. Yep. I can hear that. Yeah, you can hear it. Yeah. But the song is the Andrew Oldham Orchestra. If you're in a band and you're using that, you ain't getting away with that. No, you? it's a direct lift, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> um, there's been loads of covers of this. A couple I picked out were uh, London Grammar, you're aware of. I've seen London Grammar. Have you seen London Grammar? Yeah, yeah. at Wolverhampton Civic. Oh, yeah, really? What, yeah. you went to see them? Yes, uh, the wife was a fan. Yeah. So, um, yeah, went with her to that. I mean... Um, yeah, London Grammar. What would you class them as? What, what are they? Um, I suppose pop. Really? <laughs> are they? But um, I, I didn't have them down as a pop. I was surprised when I heard this because a lot of their stuff is not this kind of thing, yeah? Very similar. They're all about her vocal. Poor Man's XX, maybe? Okay, yeah. 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 Um, my abiding memory... She's a phenomenal vocalist. Hannah. Hannah, she's very young, yeah. was at the time. My abiding memory of that gig was what arseholes the crowd were. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, I can imagine it's a hipster crowd. No? Radio 1 crowd. Oh, really? Um, constantly talking through it. Yeah. Um, the wife's friend who came with us, there was a guy, he basically barged her out. We were in the stand and he was like, this is my space. They were gone before they came on because they couldn't handle the density of the crowd. So I was like, oh, let's let, let's see your ticket, mate. <laughs> oh God, yeah, they do. It was it was that kind of crowd. And, yeah, like not nice gig crowd. No, no, yeah. it was it was, it was a, yeah. 
Listen to this music and you won't think... Was there anything up-tempo? More up-tempo than this. Uh, well, yeah, but was yeah. there anything like up-tempo? Or... My memory of it isn't nah. great, to be honest. It was like... Oh, God, this is going to sound pretentious as anything, but about what? 20 minutes into it, I just... Yeah, this isn't a proper gig. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one is last year. Because Richard Ashcroft obviously hates the birth. <laughs> he released his own album, and we'll keep on referencing back to this throughout this um, this album. Acoustic Hymns Volume 1 by Richard Ashcroft. And he released uh, a bit of Sweet Symphony on that. Unbelievably, it's over a minute longer than the original version as well. Okay, that's strange because... Like I say, the, the original version is just a loop. So, how are you getting more mileage out of that? It's a strange one. You've already rinsed it. It's a strange one, this album, because I always classed The Verve as being an, a more acoustic-y band than the Britpop bands that were around at the time. Yeah. Maybe reflected in the singles that came off this uh, yeah, album? Yeah, 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 definitely, because there's some album tracks that aren't, which we'll get on to. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um... And, man, I think his voice is all over the shop on the first part of this song as well, I'll be honest. He sounds like he's really struggling. Have a bit of this. But the one bit that I took out of it the most was... I'm going to have to try and find this. Um, The last two minutes is him... You would class it as ad-libbing. Okay. But to me, it just comes across as bloody X-Factor ad-libbing. Ad-libbing. Hang on, if I can find it. Ah, not there. Yeah, I haven't quite found the bin, bit that I meant there, but it just comes across as, um, you know when someone does a cover and they're a bit of a vocalist and they try and just ad-lib a bit of vocals on yeah. top of it? They're kind of stre- stretching to set it apart, maybe? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's his own song, so, yeah, okay, I can kind of give him a bit of leeway, but I don't know. I think that just further reinforces how heavily it leads into the sample. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, we've given that a bit of a kicking, really, haven't we? We are <laughs> probably a bit more severe than it deserves. Yeah, because even though we've talked, and that's probably, I'll be honest with you, that's probably the longest we've ever spoke about any song on this podcast. We're nearly an yeah. hour in now, and we've only done one song. Yeah. Um, We're going to tear through the rest, <laughs> aren't we? Um, yeah, there's far more to talk about this one than anything else. I don't think it's a bad song. I don't think it's held up as like this all-time classic. Mm. I think it's more... The video gives it some... The time, the Britishness of it, I think is so just into it. And I just think there's a lot of fucking guys who are jumping on the bandwagon. Oh, at definitely. At this time of year. Definitely. At this time, at this time of the scene. Um, and that's what's 
bumped it up, basically. And in terms of that scene, it did sound markedly different to anything else that any band of that ilk was putting out, and that helped it. But you say, good summary, I think it's a good, this is going to sound bizarre, but it's a good sound. It sounds good, but it's not a good song. You think it's um, the Emperor's New Clothes? Yeah, and they're looking threadbare. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a gimmick. It is a gimmick. It is a yeah. gimmick. But I do think they were the, um, I say, one of the first bands who were coming along and doing just the on and on and yeah. on and on. And it's definitely something I took against them at the time. Yeah. 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 I, f- I fell for the gimmick at the time. And I don't feel tricked entirely, but by the same token, yeah. No, mm. not. <laughs> it doesn't deserve its status. All right. Um, we're one track in. We'll take a break now. <laughs> we're in uncharted waters. I guarantee you it isn't going to be a 13-hour podcast. <laughs> All right, we'll see you in a second. Don't forget, you can contact the show directly, jukeboxpod at gmail.com. You can follow the show on Facebook, search Personal Jukebox Podcast. On Instagram, we're also at jukeboxpod. And leave us a review. Help a brother out. Help the algorithms. Yo! We're back with part two of our review of the Verve's Urban Hymns album. <laughs> part two, we've only done one song on part one. <laughs> oh dear. You prefer that to be a sweet symphony? <laughs> it's a bit of a bop, isn't it? It's a nice change of pace, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Just pouring myself a little drink there. Just, uh, <laughs> much needed after um, after that epic sl- <laughs> epic sojourn through. Let's not call it a slog. <laughs> epic sojourn through bittersweet symphony. I feel that I need to emphasise that point that I wasn't lambasting the song. Yeah, mm. I, I just don't think it deserves the acclaim yeah. that it's got. Yeah, yeah, we've we've probably <clears throat> given it a disproportionate kick in, but by the same token. Not. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So Maybe that... just overemphasise the point. <laughs> so, 
That was the that was the first single released off Urban Hymns, Bittersweet Symphony. It got to number two on the charts, 56 weeks on the charts, so it spent over a year on the bloody um, UK charts. Got to number 12 in the USA, as we said, a little bit lighter. The... Was it the second single? Oh, I can't remember. No, this was the fourth single released off the album, was track two. Sweet Symphony in May of 98. Sonic was the fourth single released off the album. Um, it only ever got to number 74 on the UK charts. Do you think the Verve jumped the shark a year later? Probably in the eyes of... The Zeitgeist. The Zeitgeist, yeah. yeah. Good way to put it, mm. yeah. This is... Um, it's, it's kind of short and sweet. It's a fairly well-crafted little ditty. Um, th- about two minutes, 30 seconds in, mm. there's a weird, subtle but notice, particularly with headphones two on. Two and a half, yeah. Yeah, there's a little <clears throat> slight tempo increase, and it doesn't seem necessary, and it really threw me. Oh, yeah, I actually like it, I think, if it's the bit that I'm thinking of, yeah, yeah. It threw me off kilter massively. Um, It's a love song, obviously. Well, it's interpretable. Maybe a bit of nostalgia, but yeah, maybe a bit of unrequited affection. Well, apparently it's written to his wife, um, okay. Kate Radley. She was in the band Spiritualized. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's something I didn't know. It's this bit now, isn't it? I think. Now, is it? Yeah, is that the bit yeah, you're Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. It throws me. I do think this is a better song, a bit of Sweet Symphony. I agree. Yeah, I agree. It also uses the strings. There's a little bit of string in the background. Oh, yeah, yeah. Towards yeah, the is, end yeah. of the track. And if we hark back to um, Siamese Dream and Disarm, which is the only track on there that's got um, got strings got on it. Strings, yeah. And it, it really stands out. And it's, it's the hub of... It's the main cog, really, that that album revolves around. Mm. And there's more strings to come in this album. Oh, and is. I just think it's already, they're already in the danger of overusing them a little bit. I think this is another thing that um, I can definitely remember at the time. Um, you'd had Oasis put out a lot of, a lot of Oasis references on this, but you'd had um, a lot of B sides from Oasis that were using strings. Yep. You'd also had other Brit pop and British bands who were bringing strings back in. Probably a year later, you had bloody Moose Turkey even using strings. Oh, horny, horny, horny. <laughs> but on a lighter version, that, a lighter song, they were even using strings. It became so much of a, a thing. And I definitely got stringed out. Yep. With or, it. or strung out. Strung out. 
if, if I was sober. <laughs> um, yeah, um, better song, I thought. Uh, Ashcroft, once again, he does a version of it on on his acoustic hymns. I imagine it'd lend itself well, it's basically an well acoustic to that. song anyway, isn't it? The only difference I could really notice, and you probably notice this a lot through all the tracks on Herb and Hymns, is it's got that kind of, that spacey, for want of a different term, OK computer kind of plinky-plonky, uh, head even kind of production. You know what I mean? There's elements. That mid... That, that, As you move on. That mid to early late 90s yeah. um, trip-hop kind of... It isn't trip hop, but it's got that kind of just them plinky plonky sounds. There's a nod to Bristol, isn't there? Oh yeah, there's there's. Uh, I, I'm 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 loath to give Bristol any credit for anything. <laughs> as long as you pass hey, that, Bristol. <laughs> as long as you pass the sort of M5 M4 interchange and that red bridge <laughs> by rush hour, and you're down in Exeter for your breakfast, it's all good. Yes, that's quite true, actually. Um, okay, so everybody knows those songs. Everybody knows Sonnet, everybody knows Bittersweet Symphony. What you didn't know, if you were just a single fan, is the Rolling People. Now, oh, am I going to say this is my favourite song on the album? It's in my top three. There's a kind of charlatans-y, um, stone roses-y. Um, have you written all this The stuff? exact phrase I've got written down is there's a bit more of a late 80s, early 90s Manchester vibe. Yeah. And, I mean, this is, how long is it? Um, seven, just over seven minutes long. Yeah, yeah. And it mixes it up enough without doing it for the sake of it that it doesn't drag. Oh, I think it's good. It, to, honestly, it leaves me wanting more. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll kind of go with that. I mean, as going from the Shine albums, when uh, we had a bit of a, uh, a difference of opinion over the Inspiral Carpets, as you'll know, I'm a sucker for a bit of psychedelic. It sits well with me when it's done well. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think yeah. this has that vibe and it is done well. Yeah. I like that the lead's buried in the mix. There's so many tracks on this song. So many yeah. bloody recording tracks there is. Yeah. And I think it takes it takes the direction of the album away from the commercial hooks, and I think that's yes. really needed at yeah, this point. Yeah, really needed. Yeah. I wish they would have done more of this yeah. on the album. Yeah. But I will say, if you're talking about Rolling Stones, this is Gimme Shelter. This is that riff. Just for comparison, 40 seconds. It's just this riff. Which I also think, much later on in in the world of music, is Rolling the Deep by Adele. Oh, yes. <laughs> just, just More so than it. this. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, good tune. I honestly yep. do think it's my favourite song on the album. 
Only because I've been exposed to the Big Sung so much. Yeah, I jotted a three down and I kind of did them in chronological order. So I did put this at number one. Whether it's my right number one, we'll... Yeah, okay. Um, we'll find out in time. It's got that... It's got different bits as well. Like we're, we're heading down a bit now, you know, it's a bit like... And then... I mean, is this, now it's the last track where he gives gives a bit of a, an F word blast, isn't it? It is, and it feels massively out of place. It does, doesn't it? It's like, calm down, kid. <laughs> That bit that I've just played as well. Just hold that thought and remember that for two songs time as well. Okay. So I've got something that's going to tie into that, definitely. Let me just skip this forward a little bit. goes to um, a bit of a jam. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that psychedelia yeah, element. Yeah. And it's, uh, but you, have you listened to the earlier albums? No, no. This album and history are the full extent of my life. Okay. So I, in preparation for this, I listened to the earlier stuff and there was definitely a bit more of that psychedelic vibe to their earlier stuff. Well, that's kind of something I got from this is that the singles... Um, kind of the previous track, the next track, and the other one yeah. really stand out. Well, not massively, but they do pop their head above the parapet as outliers. Mm. So, mm. is that a bit? Is there an element of getting aboard the gravy train a little bit? In in not as obvious a way as the Boo Radleys did with <laughs> Wake Up Boo. <laughs> yeah, I was very surprised at how different they were on oh, other yeah. tracks. Yeah. Uh, next track, man. Every motherfucker knows this song. The second single released off the album, it was a number one hit, 20 weeks on the chart. All this talk of getting old It's getting me down, my love Like a cat in a bag I don't need to play a lot because everybody's heard that. Well, there's a point to that. Now, and here's something we've never talked about, okay. really. Do you find, since having kids, that... Some sort of know, become more poignant. Well, not just that, but just in general. You just you're so much more emotional, and so many things affect you. Uh-huh. It's just like never even noticed. Yeah. Back in the day, but you hear that lyric now, and it's like like a cat in the bag waiting to drown. And you're like, fuck, that's harsh. <laughs> I think the production is bang on on this. It is because it his is. vocal is so high in the mix. Yeah. And everything, and it's 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 very um. He does a really good job. That's where the gravitas yeah, is, definitely. Oh, that's it, the yeah. word, the gravitas. Yeah. In his vocals, is class. Yeah. 
um, I think when the instrumental ramps up a bit, I think that detracts from the melancholic vibe. Because mm -hmm. I think it's done really well in the first mm -hmm. instance. It's a nice, gentle intro. Strings again. Oh, yeah. Super strings. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think maybe it overuses the lyrical hook. Maybe the verses could do with being. A yeah, because I don't think the hook is that strong. Yeah. The verses could do with being a bit more fleshed out before he returns to the drugs don't work. They just yeah, make you yeah, worse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it probably means a lot this track to a lot of people and, yes. that, and that's good because that's what music should do but personally if I want morose and profound I'm probably going elsewhere but it's still a decent track yeah it is one thing looking through um, finding stuff out about this album one thing I did like about Ashcroft was he said uh, somebody asked him about the meaning of one of his songs yeah. and he was like I can say what it means to me yeah but it's better the songs mean, mean what they mean to people. You there's a lot of that from in it. this album. There yeah. really is. The, yeah. the, there's I kind there's of quite like a bit that, of that. Like yeah, that. that it's open to interpretation. Yeah. It could mean anything. It doesn't yeah. It doesn't slap you in the face with meaning. It's not like shoveled on. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good song. And I would say, if I hadn't overheard this like to the nth degree, I'd probably be saying this was the best song on the album, really, in a songwriting sense. If you were buying this... I don't know if it came out before or after release, but if you were buying this on the back of Bittersweet Symphony, mm -hmm. this would this would have grabbed you instantly. I think. Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely. Hence why it was bloody number one. Yeah, in um, on the mainstream charts. You said about like being uh, over emotional about stuff. Yeah, I went recently to the cinema. Discussed this with uh, with Neil on one of the podcasts uh, and see the new Spider Man film. Yeah, yeah, and that, this is Spider Man. Yeah. yeah, in the cinema, and I'm there with two of the kids, and there's three points in that film that I'm like just staring at open oh, yeah. open eyed at the screen, like. Oh my god, it's going to go in a minute, kind oh. of thing. <laughs> yeah, and that, man, that's that's the power of cinema, isn't it? Really? Yeah. But oh, um... there's nothing worse than that. And here's <laughs> the end of Toy Story three. Yeah, I see. I hate oh, Toy Story, but yeah. Oh god. Which is the end of Toy Story three? Is that where um, he gives his toys away? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. oh, it's great. And a bit before that, when they're when they're heading into the incinerator, that is tension on a level not yeah. seen where Clarice is running around Buffalo Bill's house, and he's got the infrared goggles on. <laughs> They're fighting it out, one and two. Oh my god, what a comparison to my. <laughs> um, Homer by the Smashing Pumpkins. Don't even compare them. Can you hear that? Okay, so I said on the last but one track, hold the thought of Ashcroft's vocals and the music going on. Um, at this point of the album, I was thinking, ooh, you two. This track reminds me a bit, just in how much of a misstep it is, of a track we've done previously, and I'm harking back to The Killers. Mm. And everything will be all right. The album closure on Hot Fuss. Okay. Because they're going for that abstract daydream vibe. The mix does it no favours whatsoever. It's, I think it's aiming for ambient. Do you think this is U2? A little bit. A little bit. 
But if, it, if they're going for ambient, they're missed by... I mean, that's cleared the crossbar and the stand. I, I think that's kind of the vibe they're going for a lot of the stuff on this album. Yeah. I think ambient became a big buzz term in the 90s, didn't it? Yeah. Ambient. I think the rain, the uh, refrain is supposed to be hypnotic. Ooh, well, they keep catching that butterfly. Ooh, yeah. It's supposed to be hypnotic, but it's annoying. Yes, it is. It transitions in and out too quickly to be effective. There's some grinding guitars that come in at about three minutes and they're massively out of place. And it's, oh, how long is this track? It's way, way, way yes. too long. There's a lot of tracks on this album that suffer from the Oh, action. God, yeah. Where I said Rolling People was like seven minutes, but that yeah. like kind of bopped along. And it, it, was, it flies by, yeah, yeah, whereas yeah. from here on in, I think you've got a succession of five-minute-plus tracks. Um, yeah, this is over six minutes. Look, yeah, yeah. It's and it don't step out of like second gear. No, it's yeah. in between how it jumps about and the refrain being, it's a bit of a mess for me. I don't know if I like that sentiment. So I'm catching the butterfly. And, mm. yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit, bit wishy washy. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit lame. Yeah. But in a converse term, um, in 1998, Ashcroft got the Ivan Novello Award for songwriter. Obviously, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you, do you know who Ivan Novello is? Oh, I haven't a clue. He was a Welsh songwriter, actor, everything kind of thing. I think it was in the 50s or the 60s they named the award after him. Okay. Give it a bit of gravitas, I imagine, mm. uh, if people in there knew the previous decades, bits and pieces. Um, yeah, Ivan Novello. Mm. Not very Welsh, are you? I suppose the Ivor part. <laughs> <laughs> do a deep dive on Ivan Novello. <laughs> Next track, Neon Wilderness. Unnecessary. Interlude. Very pleasant, yeah, I mean, Isn't it? Yeah? Do you imagine this on, um... Probably not Vice Hallows, yeah. But... Yeah, a little bit. I mean, this following the six minutes of that last track, that's the first point when I'm like, okay, you're, um, you're Oasis Blur, Fred Perry wearing crowd, your mod crowd... How did this album gain the traction that it did? Yeah. Were people only listening to the singles I think and they skipping were. all the tracks? I think they were. This obviously you're going back to a time before streaming where a couple of hits and then you're putting your album out. What, what's an album in '97? Um, Fourteen quid. 30, maybe. Fourteen quid, yeah, something like that. I mean, this is nothing. I needed something else after the last yeah, track. This yeah. was the last thing I needed. Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, the next track we're going to is Space and Time. We start off with a bit of Beatles stroke Doors esque. This reminds me a bit of the intro to Linger by the Cranberries. I see it. Yeah, I see it, yeah. Um. But then they kind of settle into their... I'm looking for some way to, like, compartmentalise the verb. That's what I'm looking for here. And this is why I think uh, Ashcroft doing these acoustic hymns is such a thing, because they're such a... They're an acoustic band. It's not a departure, is it? It's not. It's not a reimagining 
it, it, on by anybody's standards. The only thing she's taking out is them blinky blonky bits. Yeah, I thought when this started, listening to this album for the first time in 20 years, that this was what I'd never heard before, but I kind of recognised it when it kicked in. It's a nice melody on the intro mm. and the verse. It's not shit. Yeah, simple lyric about a relationship. It's uncomplex, and outside of the singles, it's probably the most quintessentially Britpop track on the album. It's, it's pro- this bit now. Yeah. It's probably a bit longer than it needs to be. There's a bit of fat to trim, so coming off the back of... I think that's the true of every track. Yeah. The last two tracks, definitely, as in over six minutes and over seven minutes, It's this is creeping up on six minutes, and it doesn't need to be that long at all. You, you want to come up for air at this point. It does surprise me, the reviews that this album got. It's got fairly consistent praise, didn't it? Well, All Music, 5 out of 5. The Guardian, 5 out of 5. NME, give it an 8. Q gave it 5. Um, Rolling Stone, 3.5 out of 5. Americans, select 5 out of 5. Even notoriously harsh Marcus Pitchfork, 8.6. Really? Yeah. Pitchfork. Pitchfork, 8.6. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of get that it's that... When I'm in 97, what am I? I'm like um, 19. And it definitely sounds a bit more mature Do you know what I mean? Do you get that kind of... Mature? More more so than the stuff that kind of led well, it by the hand were, into the mainstream. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah more, more so than the lyrics Noel Gallagher was like churning out. Yeah, there. yeah, that's again why I struggle going through this again 20 years later. It's like... How did this get picked up to the extent that it did? 97 is a big year. Yeah. You've got, what is it, the fastest selling uh, album, first week sales in the UK is being there because the Oasis was just mega big. You've got OK Computer coming out from Radiohead, which still to now is held up as like big, big, big album. And then you've got this, The Verve, which is like, I'll be honest, it is like in the middle. But by the same track, what do you think it kind of Venn diagrams into both? But. In the same breath, that's a good, that's a good analysis. Yeah. yeah. In the same breath, it it's neither fish nor fowl, so no. it doesn't commit either no, way. It doesn't. No. And you, you want one or the other? Maybe that's what people wanted. Maybe radio was just too much of a step, and they wanted a little bit more <laughs> than than they the wanted, pop bands that were around. Yeah, well. yeah. They wanted to take a step to not another level per se, but out of that. Uh, if you listen to the first couple of Coldplay albums. At the time, yeah, you have done. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know. I just, I always get that step of to Coldplay. Yeah, I'll go with that with a little bit of embrace <laughs> chucked in there. I just always get that. Yeah, embrace or <laughs> a blind spot of mine. They really are. <laughs> uh, next track, track even. Weeping Willow. Apparently, this is a fan's favourite.
I? What are you thinking about that? It ambles, but in a good way. Off yes. No attempt to... It's a good song. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is on my three as well. Yeah. There's no attempt at instrumental peaks and valleys. It's one paced, but it's actually better for it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, it's very rem- reminiscent. Another Oasis reference of Where Did It All Go Wrong by Oasis okay. off, the, off their next album. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, this was first. But... um. It's a good song. There's some. I like the bridge into the chorus. Yeah. I like the chorus. Um, it's got a nice sound. It's produced well. Yeah. Um, it does ambience better than catching the butterfly? Oh, it does. Yeah, yeah. Oh, effortlessly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Who, I never wrote down actually. I meant to do that. That's one thing I meant to do. Who the producer was for this okay. album? Um, I think he's done a good job here. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe even the star of the show. Uh, yes. Possibly so. It's good, good song. I like this. In in a strange way, it's kind of minimalist as well. He ain't like all over it. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The vocals minimalist, and it allows yeah. the vibe to carry it. Yeah, the vibe yeah. carries it a lot there. I'm a big fan of that song. I like it. Yeah. We could be in uncharted waters here, and we could go blow blow for blow, match for match on our top three. Here. Yeah, I think it could happen. It, yeah. It's got a real chance, <laughs> and that would be really unprecedented. <laughs> I think this song is apparently about. Um, Depression and suicidal thoughts. Apparently, Ashcroft's a clinically diagnosed manic depressant. There's definitely d- death abounds. Definitely, there's in the lyrics. There's um, pills under the pillow, gun yes, under the pillow. Yes, there is that. And yeah. Then um, when yeah. freedom comes, I'll be long gone. Yeah. Okay. It's it definitely is. It's got not out and out sinister but it's got a more sinister vibe than anything else that's going on here um in 93 and 94 they were supported by oasis when oasis were on the way up and as well in 94 they um supported pump uh, smashing pumpkins on their siamese i saw that yeah on the yeah. euro leg of that um yeah that was an interesting one obviously that was on their was it on the previous album must have been yeah, yeah i'm guessing so that'd be in be a combination I think you'd have to see to digest. What, Corgan and Ashcroft in the well, same room? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That'd be an interesting combination, definitely. <laughs> okay, so we like that last song, don't we? we? Do. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, next one is your third single off the album. Released in the middle of December 1997. It got to number seven on the charts. Heard this one before. Again, it's got them ambient flicks of the guitar and bits and pieces. Hell of an intro. Um, this is the song which, if you turn on a 90s radio station somewhere in the UK, they're probably banging this one out. It's yeah. on. 
it is on, isn't it? What do you think of Lucky Man? There's a couple of things for me with this. Mm. Before we really get into the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. video. What the fuck's with that cardigan he's got going on? I don't... I, I, I don't get cardigans. Oh, I don't get cardigans, as, man. A, a, as a as a man, I was a fan. I would, it would never cross my mind to wear a card. I don't get it. I don't think I've ever worn a I, cardigan. I think I'd look ridiculous in a cardigan. Maybe that's got something to do with it. Yeah, I don't think I've ever worn one. No, I don't understand that at all. It's like it was kind of a bit of a style icon, maybe for a brief period. Ashcroft and he rocks up in a cardigan. Uh, at a point of like, no, you've got the cool. The effortless call of yeah, the yeah, video yeah, yeah, for yeah. Bittersweet Symphony, and he rocks up and he said a cardigan. That's a yin and yang to me. That's a disconnect. <laughs> so I don't get that. And connotations as well. There was a crowd that may have not picked up on this album two, three years prior, if it had come out then, mm. that were all over it. Like we said at the start, everybody had it. And there's just a guy who was in our circle at the time mm. who used to sing the chorus to this over and over and over, and he was an idiot. It's, so it's it's got those connotations. It's so sing song along a <laughs> Is yeah. that word? Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Used, he used to sing that I'm a lucky man with whatever it is refrain. So it was just <laughs> it's been nails down a chalkboard to me ever since, which is you know it's it's probably unfair on the song really. It's pleasant enough, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, at three minutes there's those strings again. Yeah. You know, yeah, we're, yeah, we're, we're overuse now. Um, but yeah, I get the vibe. It's like a bit of self-contentment, isn't it? Inner peace vibe going on. All the love I have is in my mind. Mm. Um, but it's coming off the back of you've got between Sonnet and this, the uh, the tracks in between. Yeah. You've got about twenty-five minutes there, and this one clocks in at nearly five again. And you get to about three fifty where it's fading, and that seems like the natural closure point, And then it goes another minute. Mm. So th- it there's could more. Do, it there's could more. do without that last run through. Yeah, there's more fat to yeah. cut here. If, yeah. If yeah. You, if you get that brevity where it needs to be, then and you can take the connotations out, which isn't the Verve's fault. It's just the crowd I was in proximity to at that time I think you've got it's fine you've got two sides of the album you've got the singles and you've got the other tracks definitely on this album definitely There's, this may be one of the most stark examples of that it's it doesn't sit massively comfortably in its surroundings no no it doesn't uh, in, a, in a 2018 interview Ashcroft said and man <sighs> he said he hasn't written his definitive song yet but this one sure comes close the definitive Richard Ashcroft song will be when the cream of a particular emotion or a particular scenario in the human condition plays out, and that song mirrors it. So it happens to be lucky, man, for that feeling of transcendence, of liberty within yourself, your body, your partner in life. You can actually fleetingly feel that moment, and you want to put it in a bottle, and that's what music's about. It should be about capturing those moments for yourself, and then the listener can put it over and over again if they want. Was this around the time Cantador was talking about the seagulls following the trawler? Man, that was in 2018. The first part of that is like, just, whoa, come on, Rich, calm down, come on, Richie. You'd have to pour over that a little bit and try and, yeah, it's... That's not something I think we're going to be doing after we uh, wrap up recording. Is yeah. <laughs> digging into that too deeply. That was the last single they released with McCabe still being part of the band. Yeah. <laughs> he said, if, if he's saying that to you in a pub, when he finishes that little diatribe, that's the point you put your hand on his shoulder and say, enjoy your night, mate. <laughs> 
Hang on, while Richie gets into his um, into his vibe on this song, Melody Maker gave this album the award of the top album of 1997. NME said it was their third best of the year. Q Readers in 1998 voted this album the 18th best album of all time. In a subsequent poll in 2006, it went up to the 16th best album of all time. Uh, in the 1998 Brits, they won the best album, the best British group. Enemy gave it the 128th best album of all time. And Robert Christigau, our mate, Robert Christigau, he gave it, he said, um, The Drugs Don't Work is a good song on an album not worth of your time or money. <laughs> Which is quite damning, really, isn't it? Um, critics, listen to this. Um, you heard of Stephen Thomas Erlewine, of all music? Yes. Uh, he said it's a rich album that revitalises rock's traditions without ever seeming less than contemporary. And, and I would ad- admit that at the time in 97, it is very contemporary. I, I get that. Um, BBC Music's critic Wendy Robbie wrote in 2010 that urban hymns still sound thrilling and soars with autumnal and melancholy credited in the album's mix of massive sweeping arrangements and Ashcroft's heartbreaking, heartbreaking lyrics as its key characteristics. On the other hand, Magnus felt that Urban Hymns was undeserving of its accolades, calling it one of the most bloated, boring and overpraised albums of the 90s. Okay, you can take a bit from each a, a column A and column B there, mm, can't you? Mm, mm. The bloat, I think, on this track one day the first thing I've got written down here is another five minutes fuck's sake yeah yeah this is a real drag of this it really is it trudges this is is probably the worst one I think yeah we've got a run of three here Um, I think this kicks off a run of three we've definitely got a couple yeah we're in in the doldrums at this point I mean the lyrics as well you've come from one thing about lucky man that I didn't mention is the hook that's the lyrical hook that starts the verses the happiness gets on my tits. Oh, does it? It does. Yeah. And you can understand what it's a hook, though, can't you? You can. Yeah. yeah but yeah. you've got the um, the self contentment, and you you go back even to bittersweet symphony. It's a bittersweet symphony that's life, and then you get to this, and the lyric in this, it's like, don't you want to find? Can't you hear this beauty in life? It's just sentimental pap at this point, isn't it? <laughs> I do think that it's very guilty of that. Oh, there's, and, and, and there's more of it to come. Hey, and, and this song especially, and I'll probably um, retread these steps in a moment, but where you've said the guys who are buying this album or the girls yeah. who are buying yeah. this album this time, They're they must be thinking, this. I'm just thinking, um, yeah. um, okay. I, I bet they turned it off after looking at they're, they're thinking they've been sold a bill of goods here. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That might be my favourite comment ever. They've been <laughs> sold a bill of goods. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? One day. Uh, one, one day. <laughs> okay, we've got three songs left. 
The next song is called This Time. Now, from what Mr. Boyd has just said to us, you would imagine it'd be more of the same. Oh, actually, I didn't mind this one. I didn't mind this track. It's a much-needed, succinct track. Uh, we, we, it's a little bit of a step up in it. It's it's still completely uninteresting. No, you're um, not on with this one, though. By the time it gets to the end, we've had eight and a half minutes of nothingness by that is point. Is that how long it is? Oh, the two tracks, sorry. The two yeah, tracks yeah, combined, yeah. yeah. Eight and a yeah. half minutes of nothingness. Yeah, it doesn't actually go anywhere. Yeah, it's cutting room floor material for me, this. I think this is prime for... Um, you could have done with a step up, and then I'd be—I think you'd be a little bit on more on board. Yeah, yeah, it needs to go somewhere, and it doesn't. It's a bit more lyrical cliche in there. Again, that melancholy, that ambient kind of thing—they're mm. going for that. I mean, mm. definitely in '97. I can't imagine many stoners sitting around listening to this album in '97. No, they've got their other jams, haven't they? Yeah, they're, they're elsewhere. And I can't imagine the people who were like doing the harder stuff being no. into this no. so where's its audience yeah where's its audience and man from from the fact that it was number one for 12 weeks and it sold as many copies as it did 10 million worldwide yeah so you know it's not figures to sniff at is it um, it's formidable it is yeah fantastically it's it's just one of them yeah curios of ooh what you? I was going to say, who was buying this album? Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah I, I I did, and I don't remember this at all. I don't remember the preceding track at all. So if you say, if I'm accusing, if we're accusing other people of switching it off after the singles, then I'm as guilty because I must have done. Yeah, you must have done. But I've weird, really no overabiding memories of this album other than the singles and trying to flog it in a second hand shop and getting told to go away <laughs> and we're two tracks left we've got two tracks left yeah. on this and we're giving it a kick in but I do think there's a there's something there there is there's something there there is I think we've can't, we've probably been a bit disproportionate in terms of our negative to positive comment yeah Compared to our overall actual opinion yeah, of it, yeah, because I do actually think that there's that not even something. I think there's a lot there, but it's yeah, yeah. it severely lacks focus. It does, it does, it does. That's quite true. Well, we got a bit of um, a bit of southern rock there, don't we? A bit of a bit of country. Kid Rock is coming. (laughs) 
I'll tell you one thing. If there's any Verve fans who have tuned in for this episode, then I, I do apologise. <laughs> <laughs> I do apologise because it does sound like we're just bending them over and giving them a <laughs> kick up the arse. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got to say, I'll repeat it again. I do think Ashcroft would eat himself with chocolate. <laughs> yeah, he would absolutely chow down on himself. <laughs> I don't know the rest of the guys because they were just like the guys in the background. It was like Louis Sleeper, you know what I mean? And the cave I was reading, he seems to have uh, collaborated with some serious people. Oh, really? Since the Verve. Yeah. Yeah, I should have made a note of who because I. I off forget. <laughs> no, he has. He's um, yeah. I saw that as well. I, I should have written that down as well, really. Um, Velvet Morning. And looking on the sites where fans of you know rated this album and stuff, this gets a big you know a big following as well. Does it? It might have been an okay closer because yeah. you and I like a downbeat sort of a gentle closer. It might have been okay as that if it followed something a bit more dynamic. Um, again, let's go. It's the lyrics for me. It's just, yeah, you're coming from like one day, the beauty in life, which follows Lucky Man. Then you've got a bit of that cliche in this time. Then in this, you get the the bit where it kicks in. I'm trying to tell you about my life, and I've written down at that point. I'll give it a rest, lads. <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then there's a bit that kicks in, and life is a game. I thought life was a bit of sweet symphony, you know, which is it. Oh. Come on, it's like it's not poignant. And again, five minutes, it's a slog. It's one thing. How long is this album overall? Oh, it's it clock. It's over seventy minutes. Isn't it, it is, and you know, unless you're Fred Durst, <laughs> little bits and pieces to his songs. Seventy minutes is a long time, isn't it? <laughs> It's, um, I'm kind of spoiling my, the start of my overall, but it, this album's an endurance test. Yeah, 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 it is, it is, it is. I'm, I'm very surprised that it sold in the, in the amount that it did. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. Um, Velvet Morning, nothing. Ashcroft even covered it on his acoustic hymns again. Was he just track for track? Recreating no, the album, no, he went all through Verve songs. Okay, you know, literally, like told them all to fuck off on every song. I'll do it myself, lads. <laughs> and then the last track of the album. Come on. I'll be honest. We head back into a bit of what they were doing with rolling people. I like McCabe's lead on this. Mm-hmm. It drives it to a higher plateau than what came before, yeah. and I think you need it at this point. Yeah. You really it's, it's, need it. I think they should have they should have swapped the last two songs. Yeah, you yeah, know what I mean? that would have worked a lot yeah. better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, but may have uh, may have given Velvet Morning a bit more of a. Uh, yeah. A bit more of a push to where it yeah. needed to be. There's about two minutes forty into this track, into "Come On," where it kicks back in, and I just thought I've been waiting for something like that for about twenty guitar, minutes of this some, album. Some guitar, yeah. man. Yeah, and after that, it breaks down into a bit of a jam, which I'm absolutely fine with. Mm-hmm. I think, as we mentioned earlier, kind of in the outro, 
he kind of switches to the profanity for the first time in the album, does it? And it's bang out of place. It's yeah, it doesn't fit at all, does no, it? No, no. It takes this track down a notch from where it was. It came it was out okay. nowhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, also, okay is probably underselling it. I, I got on with this one. If I tell you what, if there would have been like take out um, Neon Wilderness, um, One Day, Velvet Morning some catching the butterfly and put like three or four songs with a bit more oomph a bit yeah. more uh, jammy Manchester yeah. or whatever kind yeah. of volume a bit more riffs a bit more groove yeah man I think this could be an all timer it could be a good album an all timer British 90s album yeah yeah yeah. I do yeah. think it could yeah well I'm going to kind of compare it to something else that was kind of caught a bit of a wave of populism yeah. that we've done and I'm going to use that as kind of the basis for my grading when we okay, get onto well, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, what? Okay, we'll come back to that. Um, the last gig the Verve ever played was at the V Fest in 2008. Yeah, V-Fest? Right? Is that still? That's not a thing anymore, is it? No, 2008 it was, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, well, yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. not. It's not a thing. Sort of. Tw- mm. I suppose 2019 would be the most is recent. Not, is that right? Yeah. Would would it be the most recent time that a festival happened? Wouldn't yes, it, of course. Pick the songs. They played six songs off this album. Four of them, you know, okay, straight the, away. Okay, the four singles. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's a question. Uh, Weeping Willow. No, Rolling People and Space and Time. Okay. Uh, and then their most played songs. Number one, Drugs Don't Work. Number two, Bittersweet Symphony for Rolling People. Okay. Yeah, which I okay. found quite... I'd, um, I'd, I'd like to see, see that live. I'd be into that. I really like that. I really like that song. It's it's head and shoulders for me, honestly, I will say. We kind of come to a tricky thing here. Yeah. Oh, actually, they had that, and then there's um, a, a... There's a bit of a hidden track, track it's isn't fucking there? shit, isn't I, did, I didn't get to it. I waited, I was because I was driving along, and yeah. I just let that... Um, how long's that track? It is 15 minutes, 14 seconds. I think Come On Finish is about like four minutes, yeah. four and a half minutes, and then you have to wait about eight Okay. For a deep freeze and man. No one's waited eight if minutes. I had them eight minute, if I had those eight minutes back, <laughs> yeah, I could like fucking. I could. <laughs> oh dear. Oh yeah, it was. Um, I was thinking, when's it coming? And then it came, and you know, it's, yeah, it's nothing, honestly. No, I won't seek it out. No, no, no. Right. So now. I mean, it feels like we've given that album, as we've said all the way through, a bit of a shoo-in. Yep. Um, but I don't think it's actually that shit. Well, we've. I think we're we're smack level on two of our top three tracks, aren't we? In Rolling People and Weeping Willow. What best songs? Yeah. I'm, oh, rolling. two of my top three, definitely. Rolling People, Weeping Willow. I think you've got to go some to. Deny the drugs don't work. I'm showing it you full house. Yeah, we're in sync. Is that right? Yeah, and yeah, I'd put, yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd put Sonnet's knocking on the door as well. Sonnet's a good song. Yeah, Sonnet's a good. Bittersweet Symphony is a good song. It's it's, it's not a great song. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've we've yeah. done it to death, haven't yeah. we? In in the course of this, Lucky this Man episode. is a good song. It's not a shit song. It's no no no, no one's idea. Uh, Space and time. Space and time is a good song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, come on, I come on, can get right. on with. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on's all right. Take that 
last bit of out of placeness out of it, and yeah, it's fine. You're higher on this time than I am. Mm? This time, you're higher than yeah, I am. I don't mind this yeah. time. I think that's a decent. I think. Well, it's. Yeah. I think it starts, but it just doesn't really go anywhere. That after. three song run from one day through Velvet Morning just kind of killed you, didn't it? Though? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, especially with the length of not only them as a collective, but what's come before it. Mm, mm. It's, like I say, an endurance yeah. test. Now, obviously, off the back of this album, they went out and did some massive gigs, didn't they? Yeah. They did, like, um, they're from Wigan. Didn't they do a gig near Wigan? Was it, um, oh, Christ, it was somewhere, some big ground near there. Um, obviously, they were playing V Festival many years later, but they played, they played Glastonbury, didn't they? Yes. Yeah, around this time. Um, and I definitely remember them doing some big summer gigs, like probably the year after this album, in support of it. Um, I just don't get the verve. This is the yeah. thing. I'm just a bit yeah. off. I don't. I don't get it. Yeah. But that kind of came from obscurity. Yeah. Riding the crest of a wave that their kind of contemporaries had created. Yeah. Became massive. And really disappeared just as quickly in terms of new material and following it up. It just it never really happened. You, it's I, they're I, a real oddity. I take it you never bought anything by Ashcroft or the Verb after this. No, no. no. You never. You, you're aware of the big singles after that. Not really. Um, what's that song that they do? Because um, I said to you, didn't they? They the last but one track is always bittersweet. Bittersweet Symphony. Yeah. Um, did they finish with history? No, they did this one. The tweet, the uh, Teletubby song. <laughs> okay. New Teletubbies are really good. You are? New Teletubbies. Oh, new Teletubbies. They're really good. More you two alike. Yo, definitely. You've heard that song, haven't you? I don't think I have. Hang on. If I can get to the chorus. Um, can you do this on Apple Music? No. Uh, there's people screaming at the device now, but no. That's that's a new one. Here's another one. Um, just just a quick one. Uh, obviously Ashcroft went out on his own, didn't they? Do you remember this one? Yep. Strings. Strings, bro. Yeah, he's bilking that cow for all it's worth. This was a big hit. Are we talking about 2000 here? 
Van Gogh. Yeah. I remember a guy in a pub raving about this. Mm. Mm. I don't remember checking it out off the back of that. I don't know what to say about it. Oh, I've got it now. Yes, I've heard this before. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's it. As soon as that, uh, as soon as the title kicked in, yeah, that was. Um, there were the member berries. <laughs> what are you gonna give the verbs, urban hymns, right. as a grade? What I used as my barometer for this in giving it a grade was hot fuss. Okay. Which I gave a D minus to. You were incredibly harsh on hot fuss. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I was. Um, a lot of parallels. Yeah. You kind of had the bit from after Andy, you're a star, where it fell off a cliff. And from one day to Velvet Morning on this album is rough going. There's nothing as bad on Urban Hymns as Everything Will Be Alright or Glamorous Indie Rock and Roll. There's Fuck nothing off. that even touches the sides of either of those songs. There are more. Fuck off. You know I'm right. I love Glamorous Indies Rock and Roll. It's, oh, it's wrong. There's more boring or extraneous parts on Urban Hymns. Oh, yeah. Hot Fuss yeah. is more focused. But on the basis that the lows aren't as low, there's nothing on Hot Fuss that I'd want to hear ahead of Rolling People or Weeping Willow. Not Jenny's friend of mine. Jenny was a friend of mine. That would probably be the the one that would be in the conversation. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But I had my problems with that. I don't mm-hmm. really have my problems with either of these tracks. No. So I've got to score it higher than I scored that, which I gave a D minus. So I'm going to give this maybe a D plus. Okay. I'll be honest. I think you've been a bit harsh. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm comparing it to other other ratings that I've given out as well. And the one that's always very pro- problematic for me is giving Metallica's Metallica album a C. Yeah. Yeah? Because it's so... I don't know. It's such like a just big album for that kind of music. Yeah. To give it a C kind of just left me open for everything's got to rotate around that really. Yeah. But man, I, I I can't give this less than a C. I, I think okay. it's 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 good. Yeah, it's goodish. It's just such an endurance test. Yeah, yeah. There's is, so much is. fat to trim. Yeah, uh, it's got compared to as you say compared to Hot Fuss. Hot Fuss is like a fucking it's in 40 and out. minutes yeah. it's like done it's, yeah. a, it, it's in and out it doesn't uh, it doesn't make you work like for the highs an, that are there this is half an hour longer than that yeah. yeah yeah this makes you work for the highs yeah it does it does um, alright then what did you say D plus D plus okay I'll go for a C um, Boyd have you got a song to play us out yeah I've had a look at what else was going on in uh now, I was going to go for one, but I'm not going to go for it because I've, I've, there's been a lot of... You're going to pick a Portishead track, weren't you? Oh, now I, I considered <laughs> it at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I'm going to go... Um, I was going to go for something across the pond. 
my original choice that I'd scribbled down for this was uh, a track off uh, Elliot Smith's album, Either Or. But I'm going to give that a body swerve because I'll go for something a bit more tongue in cheek, mm-hmm. but kind of with the same kind of downbeat vibe. So an artist that hasn't had any chat on the podcast, oh, I'm no. going to go with a track by Nick Cave and the God. Bad Seeds. Oh, thank God. What were you thinking? I thought you were going to go for something off the Divine Comedy, honestly. Oh, good God, no. <laughs> no, let's give that a body swerve. So um, The Boatman's Call came out in 1997. So let's finish with... People ain't no good. People ain't no good, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to go for the 2012 remaster, is that all right? It's all good. Set in the mood. I'll give you that right now. <laughs> this kind of <laughs> I'm way out of the loop on Nick Cave. That's like, yeah. But um, I'm appreciating that. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a decent starting point. A lot of people's favourite album. Not mine, but it's mm. up there. Well, if it's your favourite album or if it's not, get in touch with the show. <laughs> Jukeboxpod at gmail.com follow the show on Facebook search up personal jukebox podcast it's jukebox pod on Instagram get the reviews out there really enjoyed that episode honestly really I (laughs) I was struggling at one point I was thinking oh man are we going to talk about the verb for like um a decent amount of time, but it worked out well. I don't think we'll ever... How long did we talk about Bittersweet Symphony for? Oh, man, nearly oh. an hour. <laughs> oh, I, thought, I thought that was going to be two minutes in and out. <laughs> okay, okay. Right, um, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much, Stuart Boyd, for being on the show. Thank you very much for hosting and comparing us, Perth. And you'll be back soon, won't you? Hopefully so. All right, then. I'll see you later, guys. Bye. Shaking its fists in the air The window slammed us like a fist The windows rattling in the gales To which she drew the curtains Made out of her wedding veil People